is Digital Marketer. Today, it's Sarah Anna Powers. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we're digging into everyone's favorite topic, copywriting. The truth is it can make or break your business. Copywriting is the key to connecting with your customer. And I feel extra super lucky today because Sarah Anna Powers, a fellow word nerd and a copywriting messaging and business coach gave me her insights into what it takes to craft a truly powerful message. In this episode, Anna explains the core principles of an effective copywriting message, the elements of a converting sales page, how everything fits together during a launch, and she gives me her top four tips for incredible email subject lines. We cover a lot in this episode, and I think you're really gonna love it. Here it is. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. Hey, Jenna. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you and learn all of the copywriting secrets that I know you have, because this topic is huge for our audience. Like, oh my gosh, anything copywriting, it's like with the number one thing in marketing. It's so important because it's everywhere in your business. And so if you do it well, it will exponentially expedite your success. But if you do it poorly, it's going to really hold you back. So it's a really important skill to master. Yeah. So I want to hear more about how you mastered it and where you started off. And I know you kind of had a bit of a journey. (laughs) Yes. Lots of twists and turns. So I always loved writing. And as I was one of those like weird little kids who had to be encouraged to stop reading as crazy as that sounds, my mom actually started paying me a dollar per mile that I would run when I was about eight or nine years old because I was such a bookworm. And all I wanted to do was read and I would write stories and I would just always be inside. And so she said, this kid has got to get out of the house. I'm going <laughs> to breed this big nerd. (laughs) Now, as we all know, nerds rule. They rule the world. (laughs) But I always loved stories. And then I went on to be an English major, English and French major in undergrad. And then I went on to be an attorney. And as an attorney, a lot of what I was doing as a litigator was research and writing and crafting these arguments and you know, shaping arguments that would support my clients' cases and be persuasive before the court. But I got about five years into my law practice and I truly felt like there was a bigger call on my life and like I had a bigger mission to fulfill. And that's how I got in the online world. And I didn't start out in the copywriting niche, but over the course of shifting my own niche in online business, I started seeing the importance of mastering the skill of messaging. And so that's when I really dove into copywriting, because even if you're a great writer, copy is its own specific skill. So I started following the best people I could in the industry. I learned specifically a lot from Ray Edwards. He was really my main mentor and he's written for people like Tony Robbins. And and then I just started from the ground up. In the beginning, it was helping entrepreneurs who were just getting started online, writing website copy, writing funnels. And then I was able to form some strategic partnerships with other online business owners who were working on some bigger launches, like web designers, Facebook ads managers. 
And so all of a sudden, then I was in this world of working with these multiple six-figure launches, seven-figure launches. And now I've even written for you know multiple seven-figure launch and for some of the top names in the industry. Wow, that's huge. And I wouldn't even call it started from the bottom. It's like, you know, started as a, a litigator and attorney and like, you know, have have molded your life into something that you want it to be. I think that's like a really cool journey. And one thing that I really want to hear about, and I know it's something that you're really good about is sales pages. Yeah. Just starting with the sales page. I know a lot of people, it's like, you know, Facebook ads and all these different things. But when it comes down to it, you can have the best Facebook ad in the world. And if you're driving tons of people to a sales page that isn't connecting, then that's not going to do anything. (laughs) Your sales page is the last thing that someone sees before they actually make the investment in your offer. And so you're absolutely right, Jenna, that if you have the best emails in the world, and then you have the best Facebook ads and the most fun landing pages, you know, people are doing some really cool things with marketing now, um, really creative things, but then you drive people to this sales page that doesn't actually connect with them you lose them. And and they're scared usually. By the time they get to that sales page, like they're on the edge of a breakthrough. And we all know that when people get close to that breakthrough of actually making an investment in an offer that's going to truly serve them, that's when the resistance kicks in. And so your sales page is that like helping hand that reaches over the line and like gently lifts them out of their distress and takes them over to that other, you know, that it's like, I'm thinking of, you know, someone running a race and you're like crossing the finish line. It's like that mm. little helping hand to get you over the finish line. Yeah. And when we talked earlier there, you mentioned a phrase you like to use. And I'd rather you say it because it's so powerful. So tell me how you think of messaging. Yeah. So all of your messaging has to be focused on your client. It's never about you. It's never about your offer. Your client only cares about your offer to the extent that it will get him or her the results that they want. So the way that I frame this up for my own clients and the way that I think about this when I'm creating a sales page for a client is you are looking to take your client from her world of pain into her paradise of possibility. And so to do that effectively on a sales page, you have to highlight both. You can't just show all the amazing benefits and potential life-changing results of your offer without first pushing into the pain point that that client is experiencing in the absence of your offer. Because we as human beings, we tend to do our best to numb out, right? We buffer in all sorts of ways. And so we'll try to convince ourselves that things aren't really as bad as they really are. And so the analogy that I give is if you had a toothache and you went to the dentist, they don't just say, okay, your tooth hurts. Let's get you a cavity filling. You know, No, <laughs> they say, okay, let's sit you down in this chair and open your mouth. And I'm going to push on your tooth that hurts with this metal instrument. And what that does is it actually causes you more pain, right? When someone starts, if you have a cavity and someone starts pushing around in it, all of a sudden it hurts even more. But it also makes you aware that in fact, there is a problem that needs to be fixed. And then that dentist isn't going to force you to fix the problem, but they are also going to tell you, 
if you don't fix it, here's what could happen. And this actually happened to me. I had a toothache. This is back when I was practicing law and, and I was just busy. Like I had a bunch of cases, you know, that I was responsible for. And I just didn't feel like I had had the time to get the cavity filled and I left it too long. I can't believe I'm you know, admitting this on a <laughs> And so the result was I needed a crown and then that didn't fix it. So then I needed a root canal. And let me tell you, I am, I'm actually, I actually kind of enjoy going to the dentist. Where does it sound? Cause I love that feeling of clean teeth. It's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but even me who isn't normally scared of the dentist, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, freak me out. The root canal was bad and I don't ever want to experience that again. And so it's that concept of, you know, you don't have to solve this problem now and maybe it'll be okay for another couple of months. You know, you might be able to put it off, but there is a risk that if you put it off, it's going to get worse and you may end up needing something that's a little more extreme than if you go ahead and solve it now. So what we're trying to do is actually help our clients get out of their pain as quickly as possible so that they don't hit that rock bottom so that they don't need that full root canal. Like let's fill your cavity so that you can go on with your happy life. Yeah. So one thing that I, that I noticed too, is the amount of contrast that there has to be, because if you want to introduce them to this paradise of possibility, then you have to have something to contrast. If you think about a different, let's think about, you know, a client who maybe wants to lose weight. If every pair of pants in your closet like does not zip and you literally have no pants to wear, that's a way different issue than if like, oh, your pants are just a little bit more snug. Right, right. You know? So it's, you want to shine the light on what's truly going on in your client's lives. And where a lot of people trip up is that they don't create that contrast. And this especially happens with like the really heart centered service minded entrepreneurs, the ones who, you know, are really like sunshine and love and light, and they truly are in it for the right reasons. They want to help people. They don't want to make people feel bad. They just want to talk about all the great things that their offer is going to bring, but it doesn't work. Because mm. you're, the, the client's most powerful urgency is not any of this, what I call fake marketer urgency that people put on like, you know, two, two spots left, you know, two hour countdown. I mean, unless it's, a, it's an actual live event, like that's all kind of bogus, right? And most yeah. people are smart and they know it. Your client's most powerful urgency, as far as when you're looking at what's going to make them buy, is their own internal urgency. And so when you can get your client to see, I've got a big problem that isn't going away and it's only going to get worse if I don't address it, that's when they're going to be inspired to make the change. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about the paradise of possibility too. We just have to talk about the world of pain first so that they realize that they actually have a problem that needs to be solved. Then we move them into that future paradise of possibility, that world where everything that they want is achievable and even things that they didn't even realize they wanted would be Mm -hmm. achievable. So for example, if I had a client 
if I'm trying to, let's say, make a, an offer for business coaching and, and someone through market research, which is something I encourage all my clients to do, these ideal client interviews, like talk to your people. It's so important. But if someone says, you know, I really just want to make enough money in my business so that I can take my family to Europe. I'm then going to paint a picture of, okay, so maybe you've always dreamed of going to Europe. Don't you want to go in like the front of the plane? And don't you want to, you know, get a beautiful suite once you arrive in your destination of choice? And don't you want to maybe take a little shopping trip while while you're there? So I'm going to do everything that I can to really paint a vivid picture of what that future could look like that's even next level from what they might have been thinking they could get. Mm, I love that because, yeah, it is so different. There's a total difference between, you know, I'm flying first class, I'm in a suite, I'm taking a shopping trip to like real stores, <laughs> you know, eating at, you know, a, a Michelin starred restaurant. <laughs> like that's so different than don't you want to go to Europe one day? Right, exactly. Because listen, I've been to Europe in the back of the plane multiple times as a French major. I lived in France. I actually spent a year in Switzerland after college. And that's a long trip in the back of the plane. Yeah, I believe it. Also, I love to to meet a, a foreign language major because I was a Spanish major ah, myself. Beautiful. So that it's actually a beautiful metaphor for how we talk to our, our customers and our clients. Because if you were going to go to Spain or to another country where they speak Spanish, or if I'm going to go to France or the French speaking area of Switzerland, chances are, because we know that language, we're going to speak that language to those people when we go over there. And we're going to have more access and opportunity than someone who is having to pull out, you know, their pocket translator, whether it's like mm-hmm. an app or a guidebook, like you and I being able to speak those respective languages more doors are going to open for us and more opportunities will be open for us. It's the same when we learn how to speak our client's language, we get Mm. connect with them more deeply. And it's actually one of the things that I absolutely loved about being a French major was I remember thinking, wow, just because I have this skill of speaking the second language, I can build these deep friendships with a whole new group of people that I never would have been able to connect with in this way before Mm. without this skill. And your copy is like that. When you learn to talk to your clients in their language, you will connect with them in such a deep way and they will know that you are that right mentor or guide for them. Wow. Yeah. The, the messaging aspects, I feel like you just covered so much of, just where where to start thinking when it comes to copywriting and when it comes to connecting with your customer. So when you when you do go and you start to build out that sales page, what are some of the aspects of it that, you know, those elements that have to be on that sales page? Yeah. So you always want it, and this is what I preach again and again, you want it to be focused on your client. So you really want to make sure as you're doing your final read through that it doesn't read like a page of accolades about you and your business. Mm. So you're going to start with a tagline that's going to talk about the actual results that your client can get. 
So that's a mistake that some people make is they, and listen, I did it when I was newer to the game. I had a program and the sub tag was something like six weeks of group coaching for online coaches and consultants. Like who cares that six <laughs> weeks of coaching and video lessons and curriculum and community? No, they want the coaching and the curriculum and the community because of the results they believe it will give them. So I switched mm. that timeline to attract quality leads, get consistent paying clients, much more effective to have yeah. at the top of your sales page, like ready to get paying clients, ready to sell out your offers, not, you know, join my 12 month program. <laughs> so you want to start with some sort of tag or header that really is focused on the results. Then your very first section of your page is going to focus on the pain because you're meeting your clients where they're at. You want them mm. to be reading the page and go, Ooh, she gets me or wow, has he must have been through the same thing because this is exactly how I feel. And when you can get people reading your copy and nodding their head, that's yeah. a and I've read pages that made me do that. I mean, I have read knockout emails from you know people in the industry that I was like, well, I'm not investing in this program because I like put a lock on myself, but now I'm just gonna have to go back on my word because I mean, they clearly get me. They get me. So you go into the pain first so that they know that you understand. And then you push in that pain. And you really uh, exacerbate that pain. You know, you make it stronger so that it's all in service. It's in service to your client to push on the pain because that lets them know it's so serious that they need to take care of it. You don't mm -hmm. want them stuck in that pain. So after you talk about the pain, the world of pain, then you talk about that paradise of possibility. And then the following section, when you've hit on that beautiful future vision, and you've even elevated that vision beyond what your client might have thought they wanted. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. Then you're going to give some sort of intro section about you that ties the reason that you're making this offer or doing this work into their story. And that's where your own signature story becomes so powerful. So what you're looking for in that next section of your page is a way that you can present yourself as the guide who is going to be that they're, it's going to walk alongside them when they're crossing that bridge from the world of pain to the paradise of possibility. Hmm. Then you get into your actual offer and the offer itself is really the bridge. Like the process that you're taking them through is the bridge that takes them over from the pain to the possibility. But it's really important that you do include some sort of background about why you're doing this work 
because, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So any offer that any one of us is putting out, chances are there's dozens of other people doing it and many doing it well. So, but there's also an abundance of opportunity because there's billions of people in the world. So someone might want to learn how to write a sales page for me because they resonate with something that's connected in our stories. So Mm. it's important to look for those connection points so that your ideal client knows, hey, this is the guide for me. I love that. How how do you make sure that you are being in this part, in this part where you're talking about yourself? how, How do you make sure that you're being authentic without oversharing? Ooh, I love, love that question. So I don't know who came up with this phrase, but, and you may have heard it and listeners may have heard it and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's, you don't want to share from your wounds. You share from your scars. Hmm. So think about you have like a wound that isn't scarred over yet. And if something knocks into it or hits it, I mean, it's painful. It's agitated and the wound actually gets worse. Whereas once it's scarred over, you can hit it and it's not going to make it worse. Like it really, it may be scarred, but it's also healed. Like that scar tissue has developed over it. And it's an interesting analogy because anytime that we are sharing, what I would consider to be an overshare is when you are sharing pieces of your story that you haven't fully resolved or dealt with. Mm. So you want to share pain that you have moved through and beyond. But if you're still in the pain, like why would I hire you to help me with that thing? And I see, I see people do this ineffectively when they want to identify too much with their clients. Right. So it's an interesting line to walk because we have to be relatable and approachable enough that our clients know that they can trust us and that we understand them. But we also have to be set apart enough that they also know that, hey, we've achieved something that they want to achieve, or we Mm -hmm. have knowledge or expertise that they don't have yet. And so while we are relatable and we have maybe a background that has something in common with them, we've also progressed beyond the point that they've progressed in that area where we're equipped to help them. I think that is a huge, huge piece that will resonate with a lot of people because I know there's going to be people who are coaches and consultants and who have their own stories and they do want to share them. And I'm like thinking of my own, my own wounds that haven't healed and kind of like, you just kind of see like, you know, you know, it's sensitive to the touch and you know, like, oh, that's not for anyone right now. That's for me. I think that's, yeah, a really, really, really good point. Absolutely. And we all have a mix of both. We all, I mean, I don't care if you're already making eight, nine figures, there's a pain point. Like there are some wounds because that's part of being a human, you know, evolving and growing. So I don't think there's ever going to be a moment in your life that, you know, just everything's perfect. I mean, you might feel that <laughs> you're standing in the sunshine by the beach, you know, for 10 minutes, but then 
you know, you're going to get back with some issue, right? So then you got some sand in your butt. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's a great analogy. And so we all have wounds, but we also all have scars and we all, you know, I believe there are no coincidences. And I think that, you know, each individual has walked through the specific path that's perfect for us. And there's reasons that we've lived through certain experiences that allow us to be more of service to the people that we're meant to support. And it's those things that we have healed, that we have done that work already to allow the scar to to be there, that then we, we can be incredibly valuable when we're sharing from the scars versus the wounds. Mm, That's just so beautiful. I feel like I could talk to you all day about, you know, these, these kind of headier concepts, but Mm -hmm. I do want to get into full launches because a lot of times, I mean, all the time (laughs) you don't, it's not just a sales page. That's not all that you're, you're making. So what, what advice do you have? And you know, what, what tips can you give our listeners about using the copy that you create for launches. Yeah. Every part of one. So first thing to to point out before I share some strategies for using your copy consistently throughout your launch is that there are so many different styles of launches. So, you know, inside my coaching programs, we teach our clients lots of different ways that you can promote. Everything from a single webinar to I do a lot of email only campaigns because I am a messaging expert and those just they're so easy and light. You know, you just send a series of emails and you know enroll some new clients. There's getting people onto call. So there's sometimes when people hear launch, they think like traditional Jeff Walker product launch formula, multiple live or produced trainings with workbooks and landing pages and Facebook ads and 122 emails. And it doesn't have to be that. So I really would encourage everyone listening to choose launch strategies that feel really fun and exciting to you. Don't make it so heavy. Part of business is just testing. So if you look at it almost like a board game, like, Hey, let's try and see if we can pick up this property in Monopoly, you know, and and maybe take some of the weight off of it. We've gotten the best results when we've approached our launches that way. The second piece of very practical advice is start with your sales page. Because your sales page is going to walk through that entire journey, world of pain, paradise of possibility, the reason that you are the right guide for them, then you're going to get into all your transformational results that your offer can create for your clients. And then you're going to be sprinkling in the testimonials and the case studies. You're going to be overcoming objections in your frequently asked questions section. And so by the time you've completed your sales page, You really will have all the copy you need for the rest of the launch. And Mm -hmm. it's just about breaking out different pieces and then potentially expanding on those individual pieces in some of your email copy. So a lot of people like try to save the sales page till the end. And that is way backwards. Don't do that. (laughs) Start with your sales page. And then the second piece of really practical advice is make sure that you actually give yourself time to plan and implement. 
That's huge. (laughs) It's really big. And I think part of the beauty of entrepreneurs and especially online is, you know, it moves quickly. And because of these amazing tools that we have access to now, I mean, even since I started my business in 2015, like there's been so much improvement with the kinds of software that we have access to. You know, we can get things going really quickly, but in some ways that's going to show through to your audience and to your potential clients. So the most successful launches that I've worked on as a messaging expert and our own most successful launches in my company, you know, have been the ones that were mapped out. I'm thinking of, you know, a launch that, I mean, I think I talked with the business owner almost, it must've been eight months, you know, before the launch. Wow. We started having, conversations and getting me on board and mapping out, you know, and then five to six months of writing to create all the copy. Now that was for, you know, a very successful launch for, you know, one of the top leaders in the industry, but that's, that's the gold standard. And there's a reason that those businesses are incredibly successful because they are taking it seriously and giving it the attention that it deserves rather than just saying, okay, let's put together an offer and we're going to launch it in two weeks. And, you know, and then trying to bring in a bunch of contractors who don't really know the vision. And that's really important. If you're doing the writing for your own business, or if you're bringing someone in, you want to make sure that there's time to really go over the vision and the values of your organization. And so anyone that's creating messaging for you is really working in alignment with your vision. Yeah, I think that part's huge. And, and also just, I feel like the, you know, your point about taking your time, a a lot of businesses judge themselves on how agile they can be and how quickly they can pivot and how fast they can get something out. But I think if you take your time and you really are focused on, on something, the return on your investment will be so much higher. Absolutely. And The beautiful thing about great copy and messaging is that you can reuse it. Some of the most successful launches, I've been on their email list for multiple years. And I've seen very similar emails come out. And I promise you, 90% of their audience does not realize that they're resending the same emails. The only reason I notice is that I am totally obsessed with words and messaging. And I also am obsessed with online marketing. So I pay really close attention. But the vast majority of people, even if you've sent out the exact same sequence of launch emails that you did the year before, they're not going to remember. And we have absolutely done that in my own company. When we have needed to launch a little bit faster and we haven't given ourselves that much time, because we did give ourselves the right amount of time in a prior launch, that set us up for success because we actually create our own swipe files. Anytime that we do a promotion Mm -hmm. that is successful, we put that into a swipe for ourselves. You know, it's internal swipe. And so if I need to create a quick promo, I can go back to a launch from the year before and, you know, mix and match four or five emails and, you know, bring some revenue into the business, bring some new clients into the business. And it's easy because we did it right the first time. Mm, Yeah. That's a, just a huge way to win. So you kind of, you've touched, you've danced on, 
you know, your bread and butter, your, your email campaigns, the, the stuff that you really excel at. I'd love to know some of your tips on email campaigns. Yes. Okay. I love this question too. (laughs) Um, I think email is just so fun because uh, you have the ability again, with all the tools that we have access to now, you can write your whole campaign and pre-schedule it, set it and forget it. Or you can connect with people in real time. So because I love messaging, most of my weekly emails that I send to my email list, I actually write those in real time. I generally don't, you know, batch those out because, you know, that's that's one of the things about our business is we are really down to earth and approachable. And so I'm sharing real time thoughts and, and things that are popping up in our business. However, you know, if you have a crazy packed schedule, you, that may not work for you. And with the way that we can use, you know, tools like different email service providers, we can actually schedule that out and then, you know, batch it and then be done with it for a period of time. So with emails, the most important part of your email is so often the last thing that people think about and they take all this time, Jenna, and they write this gorgeous email and it's, it's like well put together so that it will convert. It's meant to drive sales. And then they just slap on some random subject line and, <laughs> and it's heartbreaking, right? <laughs> because if your subject line doesn't convince people to open your email, it doesn't matter how amazing your email is. It will not make a dent for you in your sales or in your connection and deepening you know, the trust with your audience. So I spend a lot of time playing with and thinking through great subject lines that will inspire my readers to open. So I've got uh, a couple of tips if that would be helpful to share on how you can create a subject line that will actually get people to open your emails. Yeah. I wish we could in real time be like, Hey, you guys want to hear these tips and then we'll get people saying yes. But I think they're just probably nodding along, probably not in their car. I think there's a lot less commuting than there used to be, but maybe as they're making dinner, they're nodding along. So yes, I would love to hear your tips. So easy to remember, there are really four main categories of subject lines that will help your emails get opened. And the first one is the one that I use over and over again, and it's curiosity. We humans are inquisitive creatures. And so anytime that you can create an open loop that your client then has to open the email to have closure on that, you will get the open. So if you think back to TV shows, like this was actually not one that I watched, but I had friends who were really obsessed with it. That TV show 24. Yes. <laughs> I recall what was communicated to me was that it's like a day in the life, but then there's always like, well, what's going to happen the next day? I so say you have to come back, you know, and that's what all the great uh, TV series do. They open a loop at the end of that episode and even if the episode in itself resolves the story, it leaves an opening for the next week. So you've got to come back and find out, you know, hearkening back to the days of Beverly Hills 90210, you know, <laughs> what's happening with Dylan and Kelly and Brandon. <laughs> so we can do that with our subject lines. So I try to think of, of subject lines that will spark curiosity. And uh, so oftentimes it's like this one thing almost cost me my business. 
if you were on my list and you had been following me for a while and I tell you this one thing almost cost me my business, you're probably going to open up that email because you probably feel that I have a business that maybe is a business you might like to have you know, in your own life. And so you don't want to make the same mistake that I made. Mm. Right. So anytime we can create curiosity, that will help people get to the open. The second way that we can create subject lines that will inspire people to open is with numbers. And that sounds really strange, right? Yeah. Tell me more. (laughs) Numbers really are their own language. And some people love words and other people love numbers. And that's something Mm -hmm. that's really important for us to consider when we're communicating with our audience is that you're likely communicating to a certain type of ideal client, but every person has a different way that they learn. You know, some people want to learn visually. Some people want to hear a lesson. Some people, you know, want to read a lesson versus watch a video. So that's how I think about, you know, some people love words in subject lines, but some people want to see numbers and the numbers can also create curiosity. So one of my top open rates for a subject line that I ever sent out was a number that was something around uh, $48,323.11. And that was literally the entire subject line. Huh? A super specific number. Yeah. And it had a huge open rate. And then the key is you have to tie it in. It can't just be a random number and then (laughs) open. But that was the amount of money that I had invested into my business when I looked at our sales records after almost two years in business and saw that we had brought in $2,150. And that whole email was about that, that experience of realizing I put almost $50,000 into my business. And yes, I've made some sales, but $2,000, you know, $2,150. And that was when I switched my niche because I realized I needed to do something different. And that's actually the point in my business where I started really studying copywriting and messaging. But that's a really emotional, uh, it's an emotional story that resonates with a lot of my ideal clients who have infinite potential, but haven't yet realized it. And they know that it's there and they're frustrated that they haven't been able to crack that code. And so that's a connecting story. So that Mm. that holds a lot of trust and empathy because they know I didn't just come into the online business world and make six figures my first year. I went through that same struggle that a lot of my ideal clients are currently in and I know how to get them past it. But it all started by putting up that super specific number so that they were curious enough to open the email and see what is that number about? Yeah, I was almost like, okay, but you need to tell me what the email was about. (laughs) Absolutely. So we we covered uh, curiosity. We covered numbers. And then negatives are another subject line that can get people to open. So it's interesting. It's just, it's just part of human psychology. Some people, you know, veer toward the positive. Some people are more interested in the negative. And Mm. so you want to have a mix of these, you know, you don't want to lean too heavily on any one, but if you can say something like, you know, and this is actually combining numbers and negatives, but you know, four things never to do if you want your business to succeed or, or, Oh, this is a great one. If you have an offer that's open, if you're in a launch, 
who should not join XYZ program. Hmm. It's crazy how high that open rate will be. It's like morbid curiosity. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, not, who should not join? But I've written for many successful launches. And that's something that almost every single successful launch I've written for has some piece in their messaging, whether it's on their sales page or in an email, that's like, this is who it's not for. That's part of owning, you know, the fact that as a successful business owner, you aren't for everybody. There's people who are the right fit and there's people who will not be best served with you. So we covered curiosity, we covered numbers, and we covered negatives. And then the fourth one, I actually wouldn't recommend for every single type of business. So you really need to know your audience, but it's something like shock. So for some specific businesses, shock can work really well. But you have to pay off the shock quickly. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> How would that work? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think he would be okay with me sharing this example. And I'm going to paraphrase the subject line, but a colleague and friend of mine, we're in a mastermind together, Bobby Clink. He, he actually now has an email program, an email marketing program, and then he also sells online legal templates. And I, I open up my email from Bobby one day and it, the subject line, well, before I open the email, the subject line says something like, I really don't like sweet baby Jesus. And I thought, wait, what? I mean, I know Bobby well, and I've never heard him disparage Jesus. So I love Jesus. And so of course that caught my attention. So you open the email and then apparently I'm not a beer drinker, but apparently there's a beer somewhere in the universe called sweet baby Jesus. And Bobby enjoys beer. And I believe he does, you know, bruise some, you know, again, this, this actually was sent out quite some time ago, but the email was about not liking this particular kind of beer. And I thought that was a genius use of shock. And it works for his brand because he's funny, he's a little edgy, and it's super effective when you can do that well. But for for example, for my ideal clients, you know, I am faith-centered. I talk about loving Jesus. And so that would not be an email subject line that would work for us. The closest I've ever gotten to shock was an email subject line that I sent out that said, who do you think you are? Oh, wow. And that one led into an email about a podcast episode that I had recorded about looking at your personality type and how it plays into your business. Mm. So it was like, who do you think you are? And it was all tied into your personality type and how that should affect actually the way that you run your business, the way that you show up in your business. But we did get um, some replies. We got a reply, you know, how dare you ask me who I think I am? Did you read the email? <laughs> the funniest response was from um, actually our event coordinator for my mastermind event that we had in Tennessee. I was um, actually at lunch sharing with my clients about that subject line and some of the responses we had had we had gotten with that. And she said, "Oh my goodness, I saw that and I immediately opened it because I thought, did I forget something? Did I leave something out? <laughs> and I said, you know me well enough. I would never send an email to anyone that I personally know, like in seriousness with yeah. that line. But it worked. We had a super high open rate for that subject line. Yeah. And then you paid it off by really tying it in to what the episode was about. 
Yeah. And that's key because I've seen it done poorly more often than I've seen it done well. And if you do it poorly, it actually has the opposite effect because you may get the open on that one email, but you break the trust. Mm. And so what you're doing with your email list is you're building trust. And so you want there to be that payoff and you want people to know that when they open your email, you're going to give them something entertaining or valuable. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think too, that it's kind of like just an emotional reaction. So if, if that shock, that initial like emotional reaction they have doesn't give them somewhere to take it that, you know, is like, Oh, there's some kind of relief or whatever. I mean, you're just going to get a lot of angry replies. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, is definitely not what most of us are going for. Right. (laughs) It's, It's cost of doing business when you're honestly, you know, when you're doing business well, you will get some angry replies from Mm. time to time. Because if you're not ruffling any feathers, you're probably not taking a strong enough stand. Hmm. I think that's really important to remember. Yeah. But that being said, we're not ruffling feathers for the sole purpose of ruffling feathers, right? Yeah. I mean, everything has its, its purpose. And even from the messaging point, like, you know, tying it all back together to the messaging, everything has a reason for existing. You're not just digging into their pain to make them feel bad. You're validating something. Yes. Yeah. You're only agitating the pain so that they are inspired to take action to get out of it. Huge, huge. Well, Anna, this was so amazing. I know we're getting to the top of the hour and I could ask you just like a zillion questions and we've covered so much ground. I do have one final question for you. But before I ask that, I'd love to know where can people find out more about you? Where can they sign up for something or reach out to you? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jenna, for the opportunity to share here. I have loved this conversation and I hope that your listeners find value in it. And you can find me online at sarahannapowers.com. That is my full name. So it's S-A-R-A-A-N-N-A-P-O-W-E-R-S.com. And I do have a free sales page template. So if you're thinking, oh my goodness, I was doing dishes and I couldn't write down notes. head over to sarahannapowers.com forward slash stellar sales page, and you'll be able to download a free template and basically plug and play and have all the non-negotiable elements of the sales page already laid out for you. And then on the socials, I'm at Sarah Anna Powers across all the socials. Perfect. Well, Anna, this was just such an awesome conversation. I do have one final question and it's something we ask every first time guest on the DM podcast. So Anna, if you could go back in time and tell yourself, and this is the you that had, you know, maybe just started doing some copy, taking on clients, trying to maybe trying to be a health coach, you know, that you, you go back in time and tell that Anna, anything at all, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her and why? I would tell her it is going to be better than you ever imagined it could be. And I would tell her that because I would know that she was going to have a bit of a long road ahead of her. And there were going to be times that she doubted if she was on the right path. So I would tell her, follow that intuition. If you believe that there's something that's meant for you, it really is your duty to go after it. It wasn't put inside you to taunt you or tease you. It's put there as a clue for your next step. 
I'd say it's going to get even better. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. This was just, I learned a lot. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so much fun, Jenna. Thank you. Yeah. And to everyone listening, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye, y'all. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.